Would you turn with me this evening, please, to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 5. We've been uh, teaching and ministering on the subject of reigning in life. Let's read our text and believe God with me. Let's release our faith tonight and expect utterance. How many believe the Lord could speak to you tonight through the word, through the spirit, through the ministry, and you actually wind up not hearing from a man, but you hear from the Lord. And something that could just answer a question, straighten out something in your life, change your life. Let's do that in just a moment. We'll read this, then we'll pray. We'll release our faith. In Romans, the fifth chapter, Romans chapter 5. He said in verse 14, Romans 5:14, he said death reigned from Adam to Moses. What was reigning? Death, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Notice what is in direct connection with death reigning. Sin. Sin. Now we're going to be talking about sin some tonight. And uh, it's not a popular subject in churches today. In fact, some whole denominations have virtually removed the word sin from their vocabulary and from their preaching, lest somebody become offended. Hmm? It's a fact. You know, sin is not mentioned. People today have problems. <laughs> yeah, issues. Issues and problems. And it's not called sin. It's just, well, so-and-so has a problem with women. What do you mean? Well, he's had four affairs in the last year. But he's working on it. Well, now, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, so-and-so has a problem with lying. They're a good man, got a good heart, but they just have a problem with lying. Well, no, that can't really be. You and your word are one. You can't be a good person and your word's no good. Did you hear me? You can't have a good heart and always trying to deceive people. That's not okay. See, people are all mixed up. Well, he's a good boy, but you have to watch him. He'll lie to you. Well, he's not a good boy. Did you hear me? Liars are not good quality people. Well, he has a problem. Now, he could be. Could be a good man. Right? And it wouldn't take long. But no, you're not being a good person if you're a liar. Well, they're a, you know, they're, they're a good old boy, and they got a good heart, but man, you don't leave any money laying around, because they'll steal from you. They got a problem with stealing. Well, it's sin. I said it's sin. Well, they're working on it. What does that mean? They're working on it. Have you ever heard that? Someone, well, we've been in counseling. You know, there's so much counseling. That it is just a waste of time. It is. People talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And next week it's the same thing over again. 
That's why we don't do it. <laughs> now we get with whoever the Lord directs us to get to. But just because somebody says, well, I want to get with you for two hours next week, that does not mean it's going to happen. And see, we have a whole church, and I'm talking about the whole world over, that has such a small respect for the ministry. Is one reason that we don't have the results that we should have. Go back sometimes and read the Old Testament and see the place that God's anointed had. I mean, it was a place of respect. And in the New Testament, the place of God's ministers, a place of respect. But now, I mean, denominations and churches, they hire and fire their preachers at will, and they just change them every couple of years just for good measure. And then somebody says, hey, you know, you got to come hear our little preacher. we got a new little preacher. He's a good little preacher. You ought to come hear him. What does that mean? He's our hireling. Right? And if he does what we don't like, we'll fire him. And we hired him to do our weddings and our funerals and our counseling and our visitation. And that's what he's supposed to do. And friend, that is so unscriptural, that is so ungodly, unbiblical, and yet it's what so much of the world believes. There must be some major mind, and it's also why so many folk don't receive. The Lord's corrected me about these things. It's one reason that we've made some changes as we have. When I first was in the ministry, the Lord dealt with me, excuse me, I had some ideas, first of all. I thought, well, I'm a, I'm a servant of the people because I, was, I, I had this old mentality. And anybody asked me to pray, I'm supposed to pray. Anybody asked me to come, I'm supposed to come. Anybody asked me to counsel, I'm supposed to counsel. And I did, and it wore me out. I'm telling you, I, I, I was thinking one day I had spent three hours with somebody, and they were going on and 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 on about nothing and didn't let me get a word in edgewise, and it's time for my service, and I was not prepared. Did you hear me? I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm not ready. Let's just stop right here. What did the Bible say? Remember the Bible? <laughs> the Bible in the book of Acts in the beginning days of the church. What did he say about the ministers? They said it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and wait on tables. But we'll give ourselves continually to counseling and visitation. But that's what denominations have turned it into. Right? What they say we'll give ourselves continually to? To prayer. Right? And the ministry of the word. That's what your ministers are supposed to be doing. Right? Most of the time, that's what they're supposed to be doing. And finally, I begin to realize this is not working. I mean, I'm just wore out all the time, and I don't have what I should have. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not operating in the anointing I should be operating. I'm not operating in the revelation I should be operating in. But I thought any time anybody called, I'm supposed to just drop everything and just do what they asked me to. And the Lord dealt with me. He said, you're misrepresenting me. I thought, huh? He showed me a picture uh, one time, a fella, he, he wanted to talk to me, and he, he motioned to me. He said, hey, hey, preacher, come here, come here. And I did. And he just wasted my time, basically. And the Lord dealt with me. He said, you misrepresented me tonight. I said, I did? He said, yeah. 
He said, and he brought it back to my mind. And I saw that man. He said, hey, hey, preacher, come here. He said, uh, you represent me. And he's treating you with such disrespect. And you responded to it. He thinks he can do me that way. See, you represent me, he said. Do you see that? We we, we haven't seen those things in our modern generation. So so much of it has been lost. And uh, we, we must learn it. We must develop in it. We must grow in it. You can get in a ditch on either side of the road. You can put people on a pedestal and make too much of them. Or you can fail to respect God in not respecting his call and his anointed. Do you see that? Are you still in Romans? So all these are free. Everything in, in the preliminary here. In Romans, <laughs> we were saying that uh, death reigned and that sin was connected. And we were talking to you about how nowadays people don't talk about sin. But they talk about issues and problems. And so and so, you know, they... They have a problem with sex or they have a problem with lying and they're working on it. What does that mean? Well, they're, they're, they're in counseling. Is it sometimes necessary to counsel for six months for somebody to get out of sin? Never. I said never. Is it sometimes necessary for somebody to counsel a year or so to work through their problems with lying? Never. I said, never is it necessary. Then what's going on? When people say, well, so-and-so's got a problem with it, but they're working on it. What does that mean? It means they're in sin and they haven't repented. I said, that means they're in sin and they haven't repented. Nobody has to sin. No born-again child of God is helpless to temptation. There is no temptation that has taken you, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able. Another translation said there's no temptation that's irresistible. So there's nobody that's in sin and can't help it. That's a lie. Don't ever believe that lie because the devil will come to you, well, you know, you're just weak and you can't help it. That is a lie. Never did you have to sin or me have to sin. If we did, if we couldn't help it, we shouldn't be required to repent. Because it wasn't our fault. We couldn't help it. But no, the very fact that we have to repent reveals we could have resisted it. Right? We could have said no. We could have stood against it. We could have not given in. That's why the Lord says, don't give place to the devil. Don't yield. That means you don't have to. Who has to sin? What child of God has to sin? Has to keep on sinning. So if you sinned or if I sinned, who's responsible? Us. When can you quit? Anytime. You could have quit yesterday. Right? And so if somebody's so-called working on it. That means they're in sin and they haven't repented. They're refusing to repent. It says, oh, they cried half the night. That doesn't mean you repented. Right? Feeling bad is not repenting. 
Crying is not repenting. Repenting is changing. It's doing a 180. Right? You were going this way. Now you're going this way. You were doing it. Now you're not. That's repenting. And you can, by the grace of God, repent. Repentance is a gift. Now, he said that through sin, death reigned. But down in verse 17. He said, if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Death did reign by sin. But now something has happened with the coming of Jesus. Those who receive what? Abundance of grace and what? The gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Glory to God. Reigning in life. Do you like the sound of that? Are Christians supposed to reign in life? Are they supposed to be victims or victors? They're supposed to be overcome or be overcomers. They're supposed to be conquered and whipped or they're supposed to be more than conquerors. That's us. (laughs) Glory to God. I like just reading the verse, don't you? Shall reign, not just when you get to heaven, reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Oh, glory, glory. I could just stop and shout there all night. Reign in life, reign in life, reign in life. Glory to God. (laughs) I'm trying to go on, but there's some folks stuck on a statement I made (laughs) back a little ways about the ministry and the respect. There's some folk got stuck on that. Friend, you know, the Bible said, for instance, in James, let me see if I can help you a little bit so we can go on. Is any sick among you? Anybody remember James 5? Is any sick among you? Let the ministers see to it that they know about it and take care of it. Mm -mm. No. What? Let them call. We all need to turn and look at it. Go to James. Go to James. 5. Turn there real quickly. Is any sick among you? Let the sick do what? I hear five different things. Look in the book. Look in the book. James 5. What does it say? Is there any sick among you? Let them do what? I still hear different things. (laughs) Any sick among you, let them do what? Let them call. Right? For the elders. In the early days of my ministry, if somebody said, you know, so-and-so's in the hospital, would you go check on them? I did. I thought anything anybody said I ought to do, that's what I felt like I was supposed to do. I'm a minister. I'm a servant of the people. And I show. I mean, this happened more than once. I showed up and, and somebody said, uh, well, who are you? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Keith Moore. I'm from such and such, you know, and, and you're Second cousin said, using the hospital. And, and, and they said, I don't believe in that stuff. 
Well, what do you do now? You leave. Notice what didn't happen. They did not call from me. Why didn't they call from me? They, they didn't have respect for the word. They didn't have respect for God. Not having, and they, how they treated me shows how they think about God. They didn't even know me. So they couldn't judge me as a person, yea or nay, but they just knew I represented God. And their action and lack of it showed their disrespect for God. Does that affect them receiving? Oh. Does it? And see, people don't, they haven't understood that. They have such little respect for God, and then it's shown up, it's demonstrated in their respect for his people, and in particular, his ministers. And it's not a matter that we should uh, try to make much of ourselves as a man or as a woman, but it's like this. Uh, how many remember, you might remember, when uh, President Bush who's in office now, when he first came into the office, he made some changes immediately. One of them, some folks, some of the reporters came in and they were disrespectful and their phones were going off. He said, that stops now. And folk were like, well, who does he think he is? Well, no, he respects the office. Do you see this? He'll be gone in a while, but he respects this place. So he treats it with dignity and he requires everybody around him to treat it with dignity. Even though he's the one in it, it's not about him as the man. It's about the office. Do you see that? Good. Now we're getting somewhere. Did you, did you feel that? There was a little bit of a, <laughs> well, who does he think he is? <laughs> I know who I am. Do you know who you are? But it's about the office. And we have people in the office of apostle, evangelist, pastor, prophet, teacher have not treated it properly. They've they've treated it too common. We can play with these things and and they act like people can tell God's ministers when to jump and how high and everything. Well, that's being completely disrespectful of the office and of God who places the office. So, no. It's not about us as human beings. It's about us treating the office with the dignity and the respect. And we're going to do it. I've said it in my heart. Uh, We're coming up in every aspect. We're going to know about the glory of God. We're going to teach the glory of God. We're going to demonstrate. Amen. We're going to demonstrate that the things of God are weighty. They're important. Now, we're not going to be depressed, but we're going to treat it with dignity. Right? We're going to recover what so many people lost in the rebellion of the 50s and the 60s in this country. We've got generations that have grown up. Their parents didn't understand dignity and their parents before them. And so it's lost. And we've got folks that don't even know which way to go in this. But the Bible is still here. It reads the same. God should be exalted. He should be glorified. His word should be reverenced. His spirit should be reverenced. All of his things should be reverenced. Amen. And you watch. When you do that, you begin to receive things you never received before. When you begin to treat God's things with proper respect, you begin to hear and know and see and faith comes up. It's this lack of respect that has held so many people out. So you make up your mind. You're going to learn these things. Right? And you're going to teach them to your children, right? And you're going to come in and demonstrate them in the church and on the job and everywhere you are. 
And you watch and see, you'll have a stronger manifestation of the presence of God in your life on every turn. Now, uh, back to our text. We'll reign in life by one, comma, Jesus Christ. And we do it by the abundance of grace and by the gift of righteousness. Now, righteousness is the opposite of condemnation. It's the opposite. It would have helped if you'd have heard, especially the previous two services, because we've taught at length on uh, not having condemnation and about reigning in righteousness. And I just hadn't felt released from this, I, that we had to get back to this again tonight. Go with me to First John, and we'll read this, and then I'll, I'll review a little bit more and expound a little bit more. First John. I see I'm going to have to teach a lot more on this previous thing we were talking about. But we're coming up, aren't we? How many would agree with me that there's too much disrespect? Too much. I mean, you know, you see kids yelling and screaming at their parents. And and you see uh, the way youth talk to their teachers and their coaches. And you see the way uh, adults talk to their employers and and the authorities and, and their ministers. And all of this is a reflection of how lacking there is a respect for God. When you love God and you reverence God, it shows in how you deal with people. It comes right across in your dealings with people. And this is one thing I'm purposed that we're going to grow in. Are you with me? I'm purposed, and it'll save our children untold problems. It'll save them all kind of tragedies and things that they should not have to go through. And it'll allow us to come up to higher and higher places. And, you know, the Holy Ghost manifests where he's appreciated. I said the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, he manifests himself where people respect him, where people honor him. And I'm hungry for that, are you? I'm hungry for the press. I mean the real, strong, undeniable presence of the Holy One. Well, it's not going to come with us being flippant and us being disrespectful. We know some things, but we're going to grow. We're going to grow. In 1 John 3, 1 John 3 and verse 19. 1 John 3:19 You know today is my spiritual father in the faith's birthday. He's in heaven tonight. And I'm happy for him. You know there are times I'd like to go see him and visit him. But uh I was telling somebody else uh, over the weekend some minister friends of mine, I have not grieved for brother Hagen. I would I wouldn't stand up here and lie to you. I haven't. And and the reason I had, this will help you, if you didn't already know this. Uh, when he went home to be with the Lord, when, when we knew he was gone, the scripture came to me real strong when Jesus was about to leave. And he looked at his disciples. And he said, if you loved me, you'd rejoice. Because I'm going to my father. <laughs> Did you hear that? 
See, when, when we grieve and go on and on and on, and yet we know our loved one is in heaven, it can't, we can't be grieving because we love them. Did you hear that? See, people, they try to make that out. Well, I just love them so much that I can't get past it. Uh-uh. If you loved them and you know they're in glory with Jesus, you can't feel bad for them. You're just feeling sorry for yourself. Right? And so every time I, I, if I would think about, you know, well, I'd like to see him or I'd like to go be in a meeting with him or whatever, I, I, I remind myself, if I love him, I got to be glad for him. Right? Because he is, is rejoicing. And the Lord allowed Phyllis and I to serve with him personally for years, for decades. And uh, I know one thing that helped us in that is what I'm talking to you about. We, we respected them the best we knew how. I'd be out sometimes doing another meeting and, and somebody that graduated from the school, just like I did, they'd say, well, how's the old man? And you think, who? Well, you know, old man Hagen. How's the old man? Is there anything wrong with that? Yes. If it's your spiritual father in the faith, if it's the one that God used to teach you and bring you out of ignorance, you don't, that, that's an improper reference. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And so we, we had fun and they'd invite us over to their house many times and we'd eat tacos and yes. catfish have a big time. And he, he loved to play and pick and have fun and all like that. And we did. And laugh and cut up. Play pinball and do every other kind of thing. But when it's service time. Did you hear me? We're stepping out on the platform. And it's service time. It's yes sir. Right? This, this is not Kenneth Hagin my buddy. This is Brother Hagin. The prophet. Did you hear me? And, and, and no matter what you thought, you, you know, you, you don't let yourself feel free to go, well, oh, dad, what you want to do that for? Disrespectful. Insubordinate. Right? And, you know, the Lord allowed us a lot of good fellowship for many years. And he helped us not to lose that, though. To retain that. And to, how many understand you got to know what's going on? And you got to know when to change hats. Right? I've, I've, I don't know if the pastors I've had tell me, well, I'm just not getting close to any more of my people. And I said, why? I said, well, they just lose respect for you, they said. And, and they said, well, I'm just not getting close. Well, one, one reason is, is people not teaching folk correctly. And they're not respecting the office enough themselves. But then also, you got to teach people how to change, how to change hats. Okay, we're having fun, we're having a meal, we're not trying to, you know, have a service and, and get revelation right now. Oh, but when it's time to change. Right? And if somebody gets out of line, you got to call it. If somebody's too forward, if somebody's disrespectful, you got to call it. A lot of people don't because they'll think, well, what a, they'll think I think I'm something. No, it's about the office. It's about the service. It's about the church. It's about the work of God, right? So we got to call it. We got to say, hey, 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 show some more respect. Be, be more reverent. It's, it's time to quit playing and get the job done. That don't, doesn't mean we're depressed, but it means we know when to get serious. And we know when to show respect. Let me see if I can read this verse again. 
First John. Three, are you here? Verse 19. We know that we're of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That sounds like ruling and reigning. Whatever you ask, you get. All your prayers are answered. All your confessions come to pass. But back it up. This happens when your heart does not condemn you. Condemnation is the enemy of faith. Condemnation is the confidence killer. As such, if you're going to rule and reign, you must eliminate condemnation from your life. This is one big reason why so many people are not operating in their authority in Jesus' name. They're being ruled over by sin and the curse and all kind of problems. Why? Because their confidence is not there. They let all kind of stuff happen in their house that shouldn't happen. Let all kind of stuff happen with their children. You know, here your little baby is burning up with a fever, going through some kind of problem. And people just, they think there's nothing I can do instead of standing up and going, no, you don't. Fever, leave my baby in Jesus' name. Get out of here. Leave this house and don't come back. Somebody said, talking to a fever? Jesus did. Right? He's our example. But a lot of people do not have that confidence, do they? And they even get offended if they see you and me have it. If they hear us say something like that, they say, well, who do they think they are? No, the problem is you don't know who you are. You're supposed to be doing the same thing. Why do so many Christians not have confidence? Because of condemnation. What is condemnation? It's a sense of guiltiness. Why does it come? It comes because of sin. It comes because of sin. Go with me, if you would, to the book of John. We've been reading there. Right? In the book of John. And there are many good things in this book on this subject. John, the third chapter. Y'all still believing with me tonight? This has been an interesting message so far. (laughs) We got about three going at the same time. (laughs) So we have to back up and pick up each one and try to catch them up with each other. We'll see which one hits the finish line first. John 3, are you there? John 3, verse 16. Anybody got this one marked? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Did you know that giving is the chief expression of love? That's right. The greatest expression of love is giving. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God sent not his son into the world to what? To condemn the world. Is the Lord in the condemnation business? No. Let's just stop right here. Have you ever heard somebody say, maybe they were in a service, and they come out and say, boy, you know, the Lord really condemned me about some things. The Spirit really condemned me about some things in my life. That is unscriptural. Did you hear me? That's not right. The Spirit condemned me. No. God condemned me. No. Jesus did not come to condemn. If the Lord had wanted us condemned, all he'd had to do is nothing. Right? And we would have been condemned in our sins and failures. But that's why he came. Right? So that the condemned could be made righteous. Right? And the guilty become innocent. And that's who and what we are. We're not the condemned, we are the righteous. We're not the guilty, we are the innocent. Most church people don't know this. They're still talking about we're old sinners. Saved by grace, maybe one day we'll be saved, but we're old sinners. And we're unworthy. And our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yeah, but get to the New Testament. Get to redemptive reality. Yes, our righteousness wouldn't cut it. That's why Jesus came and gave us His. Right? And His does cut it. Right? And so we are made clean. We are made righteous. Oh, glory to God. We can stand before the Father with no sense of shame or inferiority because we stand in the very righteousness of the Lord Himself. Which means we are accepted with God just as Jesus is. We're just as loved of God as Jesus is. We're just as innocent and clean and righteous in God the Father's eyes as Jesus himself is. Because it's his righteousness we have. It's his. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't need it. He did it for us. Have you received his righteousness? Have you received the gift of righteousness? Then you're clean before the Lord. He said he did not come to condemn the world. Now, we just got through reading in 1 John 3. He said, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. So when you're being condemned, what was condemning you? Our, our heart. My heart. That's not the Holy Ghost. Right? That's my own heart. The born-again believer, when he or she does wrong, your heart will condemn you. That's not God condemning you. That's your own heart. Anybody ever missed it since you got saved? And when you did, oh man, inside? Hmm? Bothered you? Is that God condemning you? No, it's not. It's your own heart. But if your own heart condemns you, that scripture we just got through reading in 1 John said, you don't have confidence toward God. Can you have faith in that state of your heart condemning you? No. Are you going to rule and reign with your heart bothering you about stuff? No. Man, this is so vital. This is so important. Makes you want to preach on it for a year. It is so important. It's why faith doesn't work. It's why people let things go in their life that they should take care of and they should be able to deal. They should have authority exercised over because your heart is bothering you. People are so concerned about what somebody else is going to think. 
Or what does the preacher believe? Or what does the church believe? Friend, what you ought to be concerned about is your own heart. Right? If something bothers you, get it fixed. I don't care what anybody else thinks. If it's not bothering you, then don't be concerned about it. Your heart. If your heart does not condemn you, then you have confidence toward God and whatever you ask, you receive. Don't you like that? Woo! Now that's living. That's reigning in life. Right? And this should be such an objective of ours every day when we get up and when we lay our head on the bed to keep a clear conscience. You know, we talked about this in some detail back when we were talking about being led by the Spirit. What a key it is to that. But keeping your heart clear, you do not want to have your heart bothering you and you don't fix it. And you just go on with it and go on with it. Because after a while, it doesn't bother you so bad. Did you hear me? Man, when you first did it, oh man, it bothered you so bad, but you didn't fix it and you didn't repent and you did it again. Oh, it bothered you so bad and you did it again and it bothered you so bad. But by the 40th time when you did it, it is not bothering you so much. Hmm? What's happening? Your conscience is being seared. You're being dulled inside. That's a bad place to be in, friend. You can get so dull, the things of God are not distinguishable to you and clear to you. And right and wrong is not clear to you. And sin, well, who said it was sin? Other folk think it's all right. And you get to this, what's the big deal? You're in sin up to your nose. And people try to talk to you about it. And well, what's the big deal? Other folk do it. Friend, when you get to that place, you will be faithless. Did you hear me? Your heart's bothering you, but you've ignored it and you have no confidence before God. And so you'll have no confidence in facing the enemy. You'll not be ruling and reigning. And how many understand we got millions of Christians in that place? But you don't have to be there. I said, you don't have to be there. You don't have to live like that. But what do you have to do to live differently? Got to keep your heart clear, right? When your heart bothers you about something, get it fixed. I mean, don't wait till tomorrow either. Get it fixed. Get it right. Don't lay there and toss in the bed and can't sleep because your conscience is bothering you. There's nothing worth forfeiting your confidence. There's nothing worth forfeiting your fellowship, is there? Say, get it right. Get it right. Get it right. He said Jesus didn't come to condemn us. But he came that we might be saved, the whole world. Verse 18, John 3. He that believes on him is what? Is that you? Is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already. Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Why are unbelievers condemned? We alluded to this early. I mean, unbelievers are condemned. Stand condemned before God the Father. Their future is hell. It's terrible. Why? It's not because of their sin. I said it's not because of their sin. But because of what? Failure to believe on Jesus and accept Him. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. 
because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light and neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved or discovered or made known. But he that does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. Here's the problem. So we talked about this last week. Personal sin is relative to personal light. We read there in Romans. You remember we looked at all those scriptures about how when there was no law, sin was not imputed. What does that mean? Well, when you don't see the difference and you don't know the difference, then you're not held accountable for sin. But when the light comes and you know, and you know what's right and wrong and you choose to do the wrong, that's when you sin. And the thing is, so many people act ignorant. You do understand, a lot of people have seen more than they're admitting. I said, so many people have, you know, like in this country. People say, well, you know, it's so sad that people have not heard the gospel. There are millions in this country that have heard the gospel. And they saw it. And they refused it. Hosea says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. What is it? Hosea 4, 6, I think it is. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's not the end of the verse. It's what's like a semicolon or something. And it says, uh, because you have rejected knowledge. The big problem is in seeing things and then not going with it. There are untold millions in this country of people. People who are born again, but they're going to a church that doesn't preach being filled with the Spirit and talking in tongues. But they've seen it. They've seen the legitimacy of it in the Scripture. They've seen the reality of it, but they have shut it off and they have turned it aside. Why? Because my church doesn't accept it. And if I get into that, my friends won't understand. we got people all the time, they slip in the back in here. And we love it. We're glad for anybody to come. But don't be ashamed of us. Right? Now you, you might think, well, why do you say that, Brother Keith? Jesus had that, that people were ashamed of him. Right? Paul said that. Right? Concerning Timothy. He said, don't be ashamed of me. It's always been that way. We should identify with Jesus. And if you don't like Jesus, then you ain't going to like me either. Right? <laughs> Because I, I want to identify with him from top to bottom. If you like him, you're going to like me too. Right? And when you see light, you must accept it. What if my kinfolks don't see it? Don't you stay in darkness with them. The Lord's talking to some people right here tonight. What if my People that I've been running with, you know, my friends, what if they don't see it? Well, if they don't see it, that's between them and the Lord. If they really don't see it, he's not going to hold them accountable for it. But if you see it, he knows what you see. You might be able to snowball somebody else, but he knows what you've seen. He knows what you understand, and he expects you and I to walk in 100% of what we have seen and know. And when you do... There will be some separations. 
Jesus said it. He said, you think I've come for peace? He said, no. When I come, it's going to cause half the family to go this way and half the family to go that way. Right? Why? Because people are going to see light. Some won't see it, but some will see it and receive it. Some will see it and refuse it. And because of that, people will wind up going different directions. But you've got to make up your mind. That's why Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, what's it going to cost you? Everything. You gotta lay down your life. You gotta be willing to leave anybody and anything, any job, anything, any place, right? If the light takes you from it, you follow the light. Right? You follow the light. And if people don't understand, I know when I went off to Bible school, a lot of my folks didn't understand. And some of my ministers didn't understand. Two major different ones I talked to wouldn't even recommend me. I needed a pastor's recommendation to go. They wouldn't give it to me. And more than one felt like it was their duty to come by and talk to me and try to get me straightened out. I had gotten in with this health and wealth gospel bunch. This name it, frame it, confess it, possess it. Blab it, grab it, bunch. (laughs) And they had to come save me. And some of them had some pretty good arguments. And me and my ignorance, I didn't know the scripture. I didn't know what to tell them. And some of them said, and some of them were sincere. They just were sincerely wrong. They said, now, Keith, you know, we don't have many young men. In the church here that's serious about God like you are. We need you here. And I thought, huh. I don't want to let my community down, my people down. And they said, and besides that, isn't the Holy Spirit your teacher? Well, yeah, I'd read that. Well, then can't he teach you here? I thought, well, I reckon he could. And some of their arguments, you know, were pretty plausible. But then when they'd all go home and I'm laying in our little bed of our 1969 Marriott mobile home (laughs) at night, I couldn't get away from this. Did you hear me now? There was something in here that I had to go. Why do you have to leave home and everybody can go out there? I don't know, but I got to go. Right? I don't know why, but I got to go. So we loaded up the truck. And we look like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> and thing after thing has been like that. I mean, in more recent times, go to Branson. Why? And I also had some well-meaning folks. What do you want to go to Branson for? They already got churches up there. Yeah, pretty much every place in the states you want to go, they already got churches. Well, why you want to go? You got a good ministry. You're busy doing this. You got all these invitations. Why you want to go? Well, because light has come to you. Did you hear me? Now, light has come to you and you don't have to figure it out. That's what faith is all about, that you'll step out and you don't know why. You'll obey and go, not knowing where you're going. Oh, but I wouldn't have got to know you. We wouldn't be here tonight. We went all the great things that God's done for us in two years. It wouldn't have been with us. It wouldn't have been for us. I mean, as a group. Oh, God is so good. 
You got to make up your mind. When the light comes, I'm gone. I'm going with the light. I'm following the light. Right? If I get light, well, I saw light on talking in tongues. Well, I don't care if half the folk around think it's of the devil. I'm going to talk in tongues. Did you hear me? I hope they're ignorant because if they're not, it's called blaspheming the Holy Ghost for them to say it's of the devil. Did you hear me? I hope they're ignorant when they say it. If not, it's serious. I've seen revelation on prosperity. People can make fun of me and not like me, but I, I'm going to preach it. I know where God brought me from. I don't live in the 1969 Marriott mobile home. No more. <laughs> we live in a good place, a fine place, and I didn't steal one offering to get there. Didn't tell one lie. Amen. Thank God for the light. When you see light, you got to make up your mind, I'm going on with this. And if the bunch that you're with don't want you, then find a bunch that's got the same light. Right? And hook up with them and say, we're all going in this light. Right? We're not going to judge other people for what they see or don't know. I don't know what they see. That's one reason we don't judge each other. I don't know what they see or don't see. If they tell me, Brother Keith, I just can't see that in the Scripture. Well, I'm not going to argue with them. If you don't see it, you don't see it. Doesn't mean it's not there. You just said it right the first time. You don't see it. Right? And I know there's all kind of stuff I don't see. Yet. Right? That's why we've got to keep looking. Right? Keep looking. Keep looking. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Why don't you just praise God a little bit while you're sitting there. Just, oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. How many understand you got to be willing? You got to be willing to take some flack. Is that right? I mean, you know, people that just sit still and and don't move on with God because they're afraid of what somebody's going to say. Oh, it's sad. I've seen people do that. And you go backwards. You don't stay where you are. You go backwards. And when you're out of the perfect will of God, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a place where the enemy has access to you. I've seen people. You know, I'm thinking of a man right now. And he told me just as plain what the Lord had told him to do. And he did not do it. He did not do it. I mean, I was shocked when I found out he didn't do it because I knew he wasn't confused. A lot of people didn't know. I don't know if his family even knew what he told me. But he told me, he said, I know it, what the Lord told me to do. And he didn't do it. And in years to come, tragedy after tragedy after tragedy hit his household and his family. I mean, it was, I won't even go into all of it. It's sad. And people might say, well, why did you know, wonder why God did that to him. God didn't do that to him. I said, God didn't do that to him. Wonder why God let the enemy do that to him. Well, if you get out of the perfect will of God, it's open season on you. I mean, you know, the door's open for the enemy to get to you. I want to live where it's safe. How about you? I want to live in the middle, the center of the perfect will and perfect plan of God where you got to walk in the light. I said you got to walk in the light. Stand on your feet, please.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.